Hitler. Can Leonard? Keep because Leonard forever. Everlasting. Everlasting. Hustle. Hustle. This great. This loving kindness. of the holiday is not that good. Okay? Many holidays we are practicing, we are keeping, observing in this country, perhaps, I'm not sure, perhaps from the Satan. I don't know. You know perhaps. Uh, I just think I didn't do research. You know? Holland is one of them. I don't know. You know? I, just, I think that way. Okay? So I don't like it actually. But the biblical festivals, they have meanings. All the festivals, they have meanings. If you know the feasts of the Bible, I'm sure, I'm very sure that you can know the history of the human kinds. Okay? It is like a plan, a big plan for the human kinds. God has a plan for all of us, actually. And especially for Jesus, His Son. He has a plan. He has set the plan already, installed the plan, and then He just... commanded the people of Israel to observe the feasts, to just show, you know, the people of the world, you know, what the plan of God is for us. So if you know the plan, the festivals, you can understand our history, okay? Many of them have been fulfilled already, but some of them have not fulfilled yet. So if you understand the calendar of the Bible or the festivals of the Bible, you cannot, you can sure, you know, can grasp the idea of the whole history of the world. We call sometimes spring, but I know this term is not suitable for the Bible. Even though we translate spring and fall, actually in Israel there are two seasons, only two seasons. One is dry, another one is rainy season, okay? What is spring is almost like summer. Summer is almost like spring. What is fall? Fall is almost like spring, or sometimes you may call it winter. Anyway, in Israel, there are two seasons, rainy and dry season. And right now, it's uh, June, right? In Israel, there's no rain, just dry season. How long? More than six months. 
you don't see any rain. Sometimes no cloud in the sky. Okay? Especially in Jerusalem, you know, if you see the sky during the six month dry season, almost no cloud, very dry, very dry. But the winter time, I say rainy season, sometimes it rains, sometimes still no rain. <laughs> so rainy season doesn't mean just you see rain every day. It, is not, uh, it doesn't mean that, okay? Rainy season is probably the rain. Actually, in January, our January, there are a lot of rains. So, spring feasts, you know, sometimes you may call this in Hebrew Bible summer, okay? Perhaps you have to translate summer. It doesn't matter. According to our tongue, we call it spring season. Spring feast, actually the first month is the beginning point of the spring season in Israel. First month. First month has a name, Nisan, or sometimes Aviv. Aviv. Aviv is Hebrew name. Nisan is the later term. Okay, the first month, 14th, Passover. How long does it take? How many days altogether? You have Passover holidays here in New York. How many days? Seven days. You know, the Christians, for us Christians, there is Easter vacation, is that right? And in New York, they observe the holidays, you know, school holidays, according to the Jewish calendar, not the Christian calendar. So, when the Easter is different from Passover in New York, they observe Passover time. It should be the same week actually, but because the Christians and the Jews are using different calendars, the result is they have different days. Sometimes the same week, sometimes one week difference, sometimes one month different. Okay? At times time, you have different schedule. Anyway, in Ohio, in Illinois, other states which have few Jews, they observe the holidays according to the Easter Christian calendar. Even the name Easter is origin is from pagan, you know, pagan tradition. It's not Christian tradition. Even the name Easter is not that good. It's not biblical actually. You see? Many, many pagan customs in the Christianity. It's really problem. Passover 14 starts it continues 11, I'm sorry, one week. And Pentecost, okay? I'm sorry, it's not Pentecost, okay? First fruit, in Hebrew it's called Omer. I'll just come back later. And from this day, 49 days, you count 49 days, and this day should be Sunday, Sunday. And the fifth, 50th, I'm sorry, the 50th day, after counting seven weeks or 49 days, the day 50 becomes another Sunday. 1, 8, 15, you follow me? Day 1 is Sunday, then the next Sunday is 8, and the next Sunday is 15, right? It continues after seven weeks, day 50, 50th day becomes Sunday. The 50th day becomes Pentecost. Pente, Pente means five in Greek. Ghost just 10, okay? 5, 10 means 50. Okay, this is uh, another feast. Okay, here, Passover and first fruits and feast of Pentecost. I'll explain this, okay? Now you're familiar with the calendar, I hope. Okay, this one is fixed. Aviv on Nisan, the name of the month, first month. Okay, this day, the people of Israel, I'll start from Day 10. 
Let's read together. Exodus 12.3 Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. Okay, the first month, this month, Aviv, this month, day 10, the people of Israel, they have to do one thing. They choose a lamb, okay? For example, your household, you have seven people. Just one small lamb enough to feed seven people. You choose one. But you have 14 members in your house. And how many lambs do you need? Two lambs. But you have just two, just a couple. And you see neighbor, another three or two. Two households together, just one lamb. Okay? It just goes by the proportion. And how many people you have in your family, the size of the family. Then you just choose one. What day is it? On what day? 10th of January. I'm sorry, not January. I cannot say January. The first month. Four days before Passover, before slaughtering of the Passover. You know, this one is fixed date. It's very important. Why is it important? Because God is, you know, thinking something. He has a plan. On this day, this specific day, he has to do something, you know. Okay, let's read Joshua 4.19. On the tenth day, together. Of the first month, the people went up from Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. The day, the day when the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River to enter the, the land of Canaan was the first month and day 10. The same day. The same day they had to prepare a lamb for each household. Okay? So, You know, what is the meaning of the entrance of the people of Israel to the land of Canaan? It's a kind of, you know, preparing Paschal lamb. Preparing a lamb, the sacrifice for the new feast. Okay? The people of Israel, in this sense, they signify the lamb, in a sense. The same day. It's very interesting. And also, Jesus' triumphal entry to Jerusalem. Matthew, you know, so-called Palm Sunday. Do you know when Palm Sunday first? Do you know? What is Palm Sunday? Yeah, when? When is the Palm Sunday? Week before Easter. Why Palm Sunday? They welcome Jesus entering Jerusalem, you know, waving the palm branches, right? So we call this Palm Sunday, a week before Easter. Now that day, you can just calculate from the Gospel stories. That day first on the 10th of the first month. So in this picture, you can see, you know, God commanded the people of Israel many years ago, almost 1,500 years ago, before this age, okay? He said to them, you have to prepare the lamb. And God himself, this day, he fixed. Why? He prepared, he's preparing the Paschal lamb, the lamb for the Passover, which is, on this day, who is the Passover lamb? Jesus. He's preparing. So Jesus is entering Jerusalem. We say, okay, he's entering as a king. That's good. Okay? That's one interpretation. But you have to know, from, the, from this festival, okay, on the day they had 
They, it's not festival before that, okay? They had to prepare this lamb. Okay, it's, it's a lamb for the Passover. God is prepared. God knows what He's doing on that day. He's preparing the lamb for the world. The Passover lamb, okay? So you can see God is doing everything by His own schedule. He has the schedule. Also by the prophets, He showed all the schedules to us. So if you just you know, read Bible diligently, you can find out the world history, the schedule God has in His mind for us. You can know that actually. You can predict actually, you know. Because it's written in the Bible. So on the same day, Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem. And they left, they left, the people of Israel left Egypt, as I said in the morning, 15th day of the first month. What did they do last night, 14th? They ate Passover meal, right? They couldn't go out. Why? The angel of death is killing, you know, all the firstborn of their livestock and human beings. So they dare not go out. If you go out, you will die. So they stayed that night, but early in the morning, I believe, very early in the morning, even before dawn, the dawn, they left Egypt. You know, they couldn't sleep whole night. This night, 14th of first month, the people of Israel in Egypt, they couldn't sleep. The Egyptians, they couldn't sleep either. Why? Why? All the houses, all the family has at least one death, right? So the first one died. So they couldn't sleep. The whole Egypt couldn't sleep. The whole Israel couldn't sleep on that night. Now, there is one night, AD 30, AD 30, that is, you know, uh, 15th century BC in Egypt. But AD 30, one night, nobody was able to sleep in Israel. Do you know when? Many people, I couldn't say nobody, I'm sorry. Many people couldn't sleep that night. When is it? The night that Jesus was arrested. You know, 14th, they ate, Jesus with his disciples ate together the Passover meal. You know, it takes time. Even today, I had a chance to attend, you know, the Jewish people's Passover meal. It takes about three hours, usually, okay? Sometimes four, five hours. So it continues until 11 o'clock, around p.m. Uh, they, you know, do prayer and they do hymn also, many things, anyway. <clears throat> After this meal, Jesus, you know, took the disciples and he went to Keshmane. And there he began to pray. And the disciples were too tired, you know, they began to, you know, uh, sleep in, be sleeping. And Jesus asked them to help him by prayer, but they couldn't help him, you know. They couldn't participate in his prayer. Painful prayer that night. Jesus was arrested, let's say around midnight, okay? And he was asked questions by different group of people, like the previous high priest and the, uh, the standing priest, high priest, and also the pilot, the governor, and also the king, Herod, etc. And many people questioned him, and even uh, he was scourged. Anyway, he was not able to sleep that night, the whole night. Night, 14, day 14th night, until 15th, early in the morning. They couldn't, he couldn't sleep. And those disciples, were they able to sleep after the arrest of Jesus Christ? I don't think so. The disciples couldn't sleep. We know John followed Jesus 
into the yard of the high priest. Even Peter was able to get the admission pass through his friend uh, John. John kind of, you know, he had a relative and the priest among the priest group, I think. Anyway, he was able to enter the yard of the high priest. So Peter, he went in and he denied Jesus three times. We know the story. You know, the disciples couldn't sleep. How about the people, the religious leaders of Israel? They couldn't sleep, you know, they had to kill Jesus. So that night, many people couldn't sleep. It's almost the same, you know, as the night when the people of Israel, their last night in Egypt, you know. After this last night, they had to leave this world, uh, Egypt, you know, the people of Israel. So they left the world, I'm sorry, they left, the people of Israel left Egypt 15th of the first month. How about Jesus? When did he leave this world? Do you know? When Jesus left this world by dying. When was the day? Day 15 of the first month. You know, he was arrested after the Passover meal, 14th night, and the whole night he couldn't sleep. Do you see the, the relationship between you know, what happened in the land of Egypt and now AD 30? There is almost 1,500 years time difference. But God has something in his mind, you know. He showed a plan, even though the people of Israel couldn't notice that beforehand. So Jesus was arrested, and he couldn't sleep that night. And early in the morning, 15th, that was Friday morning, Pilate sentenced Jesus to crucifixion. And he was crucified in the morning, 9 o'clock, and he died. 3 o'clock p.m., that was day 15, he left this world, departure. He departed from this world. In Greek, what is exodus? Today, the book name exodus, English, it's not English, it's Greek. It comes from Greek exodus, okay, in Greek way of pronunciation, okay? What does it mean, exodus? It's departure, departing, almost close, okay? Leaving, starting. Departure is the, you know, the closest concept. This word exodus, it occurs in the Greek Bible, in our New Testament, okay? Can you just open Luke 9? I just put here, you can look at here. 9, 30, 31, let's read together. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor. Talking with Jesus, they spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment of Jerusalem. Okay, this departure in Greek, exodus. Exodus. You know, Jesus has been changed, you know. When three disciples of Jesus, you know, woke up, they just saw different Jesus, glorious Jesus. They're shocked, you know. They're astonished. So they didn't know what to say. And Peter said, oh Lord, we'll just, you know, we'll build up three tabernacles, you know, to let you stay here. Not only Jesus, you know, they saw also Moses. The moment they saw Moses, they have never seen Moses, by the way, you know. He's 1,500 years ago. And Elijah, he was almost 800 years ago, 900 years ago, you know. They, they didn't have any chance to meet one another. But the moment they saw these guys, they just realized, okay, this is Moses. The moment you see these people, they knew this is Moses, this is Elijah. And two people appeared in glorious standard and talking with Jesus. What was the topic of their dialogue? 
What is the topic? Departs Exodus. Exodus of Jesus Christ. You know? 1500 years ago, about, the people of Israel, they, they Exodus from Egypt. On what day? 15th of the first month. Full month. And AD 30, another person, one person, not one people, one nation, his Exodus, his departure from this world, okay, to the heaven, not to the land of Canaan. Whose departure was it? Jesus Christ. That happened 15th of the first month. You know, several days before that happening, you know, these three people, Elijah and Moses, appeared and they were talking with Jesus about the Exodus of Jesus Christ. Do you see, God is, you know, God has installed all his plan in the Bible, especially in the festivals, okay, in the feasts. And he's doing according to his plan. Now, Jesus knew when he had to die. And Jesus knew when he had to be arrested. Jesus knew exactly when he's going to send the Holy Spirit to his disciples. He knew everything, you know. Because it's written in the Bible. Now, today, we have to pay attention to the Bible. Otherwise, you cannot know what's happening, what's going on in this world, you know. But as long as you, you know, pay attention to the Word of God, you can know what's going on in this world, you know. You know the Bible, the Old Testament, was pointing to Jesus. Who's going to come? Who's going to come? You know? He will come, he will come. That's the topic of the Old Testament. And today we are reading, continue reading, not only the Old Testament, but also the New Testament. We are reading to find out Jesus is coming for judgment, final judgment, okay? All the Bible is pointing the first coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know? If you pay attention to this, this is the fact. It's going to happen. And you have to be careful, you know? If you don't pay attention to the Word of God, you know, this reminding, you know, you lose your direction. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to live, how to live. Huh? You are lost in this world. And you'll be lost with the world. And you'll be judged with the world. So you have to read the Bible. You have to know the plan. No? The mind of God is so clear. No? It's not vague at all. The day 10, okay? <clears throat> This is departure. And we continue. Jesus crucified, you know, the first month, 15th, the same day. This is the departure, okay, I'm talking about. We call it Good Friday, okay? Today, many modern people enjoy holidays because of Jesus' crucifixion. crucifixion. But they don't know what's the relationship between this crucifixion and with themselves, you know. It's a real pity, the same day. And Omer, this Hebrew, this is Hebrew, it's not English, okay? On Sunday of the Passover. Okay, from the 14th of the first month, one week, seven days, they are supposed to eat unleavened bread. Do you follow me? Who doesn't know leaven? Who knows leaven? Where do you buy it? Where do you get it? Okay, yeast. Where do you get it? Supermarket. Okay. Simple. Okay. <laughs> Just retail shop, wholesale shop. You get this, all this, okay, in these places. Now, how do you make it? How do you make it? 
How do you make yeast? I'm sorry? Love. Okay. For, can you just bake bread? Anyone can bake bread? First of all, you have to buy flour, okay? Use a wheat flour. And what do you do with wheat flour? Just mix with water. You make a dough, right? And the dough is just, you know, put yeast or baking powder, you know, it just becomes swollen up and you just bake. But in ancient time, you just live, even today, okay, you can try. You leave a dough, do you say dough? Just a little bit, okay? The mixed one, okay? You leave it, just a couple of days, it turns to be yeast, naturally. This kind of fermentation process, natural process, you know? It's really, I think, it's wonderful, you know, to know these things. Okay, you just made the like, flour dough and just leave some of them. Okay, you don't need all of them, so just leave a little bit. And after a couple of days, how many days, I don't know, okay? It becomes yeast. It turns to yeast. And next time a little bit, you just mix with flour and water together, and again you make bao, dough, okay? That's the principle, okay? That is the level of yeast. Okay? Uh, usually we eat leavened bread. But during this week, the Jewish people are not supposed to eat leavened bread. So they buy matzot. Have you ever heard matzot? Matza? Okay, they sell here, okay? And they have matzot. Matza is singular, matzot is plural. Okay, unleavened bread. <coughs> matzot. Okay, mazot. You pronounce mazot? Matzot in Hebrew. Matza. You have to eat one week. You know, during this week, from 14th evening until 21st evening, only one day is Sunday. But if you say Sunday, the people of Israel, they couldn't understand what you're talking about. Okay? Sunday is day of the sun. It's Roman term. Okay? It's not Jewish term. You have to call it a different way. You call it the day after what? Sabbath. Okay, Shabbat. The day after Sabbath. That's the term for Sunday. And the Bible, God speaking clearly, clearly to the people of Israel, you have to one thing on this day, on the next day of Sabbath, of the Passover Sabbath, okay? Only one day. It could be, you know, happen, happen you know, on 17th or 18th, 19th. You have different days every year. So, God specifically he said, you know, the next day of the Sabbath, Passover Sabbath, okay? There should be Sunday or Sunday, okay? Only on Sunday, but during that week. That's the week, first time, for the first time during the year, they harvest the barley, not wheat. They start from barley, okay? That is the first season, okay, to harvest barley. And just, you know, make one bunch of the barley, then waving to God. On this Sunday. And God asked the people of Israel, on this day, every year, you have to bring the, a bunch of omer in Hebrew, a bunch of barley, and you have to wave before me. For what? I don't think the people of Israel really understood what the, the meaning was, you know, what the meaning was. But they had to do that if they obeyed the word of God without knowing, you know. Every once a year on this Sunday, You know what happened on that day? The Passover week Sunday, what happened? AD 30. 
Jesus was risen again, raised from the dead. That is the Sunday. That is the Passover Sunday. So God, you know, already has you know, this in his mind, you know. On this day, I'm going to raise my son from the dead, you know. So he has the people of Israel before the resurrection almost 1,500 years, once every year, if they obeyed. God asked them, the people of Israel, on that day, to wave. One bunch, Omer, of Bali, to signify, perhaps thanksgiving to God, but actually, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's read, on this day, what happened? Leviticus 23.11 Please. And you shall weigh the sheep before the Lord, so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall weigh it. And 1 Corinthians 15.20 But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Okay, this first I know this is Omer here, okay, the sheep. Paul understood. So he gives us this interpretation. On the same day, Jesus was risen again from the dead. So God had something in his mind already, you know. Even 1,500 years ago, before Jesus' resurrection, he planned it. He installed it into the feast of Israel. This is God, you know. This is our God, awesome God. How can you serve him? This is, what is this? Wheat or barley? Um, this is barley, okay? It's long here, barley. And Jesus risen again after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, okay? The same day, Passover Sunday, Jesus was risen according to the plan. Of course, we don't understand, you know, we couldn't perhaps understand before Jesus' resurrection, you know, what that meant. But after the happening, Paul understood. That's why he, in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, he was able to mention the first verse, you know. There's Omer in Hebrew. He understood. Uh, from the Sunday, from that Passover Sunday, I know there is different counting among Jewish people. And we Christians, Gentiles, uh, really vague in this concept. Many people, Christians, don't know what's going on here. But once you know, you know, when you read the Bible, it's really helpful. You know, from this Sunday, Passover Sunday, that is the day of resurrection, you count seven weeks. How many days? 49 days. And the 50th day, what's the day of week? Sunday. The seventh Sunday, That's the special day for the Jewish people. That is called Pentecost. That is called Pentecost. Pentecost actually is Greek. That that means 50 days or 50th day. Uh, It's one of the feasts, yes? I have a a, a general question. So at Jesus' time for the Jewish, do their day start still from the sundown or from the middle? Even now, sundown, sunset. One day they come from sunset. So when you keep the Sabbath, when is the Sabbath? Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. What time does it start? Friday, sunset. Even today. There's no change. Just evening to evening. Sunset to sunset. So they keep observe the Sabbath from Friday, sunset, 
until Saturday sun, sunset. So after Saturday sunset, they are free, you know, to to purchase anything, to go out, you know, to have coffee with friends. We call that Mutje Shabbat, coming out of Sabbath. So many Israelis they enjoy Saturday evening, you know, going out to downtown. Some people, some shops open, so you can enjoy drinking coffee, you know, you know, talking, meeting friends, on Saturday evenings. This is uh, Pentecost. Seven full weeks, okay. From that Sunday, okay. You know what's the meaning of these fifties? You know, by the way, during these seven weeks, what's going on with agriculture? They harvest barley first, and then, and then wheat. There are only two grains, okay, barley and wheat in Israel. They harvest during the spring seasons, okay. From the first month, middle of first month, until. The early third month, okay, seven weeks altogether, they harvest barley and what? Wheat. There's one Gentile woman whose name is Ruth. She was a Moabite, okay? Moab, where's Moab? Moab is in the eastern side of Jordan, okay? Western side, there is Israel. And this lady, this young girl, she met the man who came from Israel. She married to this man, and her husband, without you know bearing any child, he died. So she became a very young widow. What can she do? She decided to follow her mother-in-law, who left her alone also. Okay, what's her name? How do you know this family? Okay, okay, this Moabite lady. I know in that time the language between Hebrew and Moabite language almost the same, so they can communicate no problem. Okay, I know when this Moabite woman came to Israel. I can say which month she came to Israel. Do you know when she came to Israel, Bethlehem? Huh? Can you tell me when Ruth, the Moabite woman, came to Israel? Which month of the year? First month, who said that? Did you say that? How did you know that? That's right. You know, the moment she came to Israel, she had a small, small job. You know, what job was it? Just cleaning, right? Just harvest. Yeah. That was from barley and to wheat. So when she came to Israel, that's the time. You know, the first month. It's the it's like the time when the people of Israel crossed the Jordan River, you know. They they crossed the Jordan River on the tenth day of the first month. The moment they entered the land of Canaan, they had already something to eat. That's the time for harvest. So the time when the people of Israel crossed the river of Jordan, and when Ruth came to Israel, that's the same month, first month, you know. And the crop was ready there. The grain was ready there to eat. So you don't have to, you know. Someone else sold and took care of. And now it's ripened, and it's the time of harvest. So simply collect, you know. There's the timing for people of Israel to cross the Jordan. There's the time Ruth, this Moabite woman, crossed Jordan. Jordan. Anyway, from this Passover Sunday, 50th day, Pentecost, what does it mean? What God has in His mind? On this special day, 
Why did he command the people of Israel to observe this day? That's the end of the harvest, okay? Why? What happened on this day? AD 30, we go back to AD 30. What happened? The Holy Spirit came down to the church. We call it Pentecost, still Pentecost, okay? That was the 50th day from resurrection, okay? Jesus, after resurrection, how many days stays, stayed in, in, on the earth? Just sometimes showing up to his disciples, how many days? 40 days. Now he didn't spend every day, every moment with his disciples. Time to time he appeared, okay? And then other times where we don't know, you know? Simply showed up several times. And after 40 days, he ascended to the heaven. And 10 days they had to wait. They were praying, 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 waiting for the promise of God, for the promise of Jesus Christ, which is the Holy Spirit. And after 10 days of prayer, the Holy Spirit came. That is the Pentecost, okay? So, in this feast, do you see? 14th, 14th of the first month, okay? That is the Passover meal. And the whole night, the people of Israel, the first year in Egypt, couldn't sleep. The same day, Jesus and his disciples and many religious leaders of Israel couldn't sleep to kill Jesus. And 15th, the departure from Egypt, the departure from the earth of Jesus Christ. You see? And the Sunday, following Sunday, the resurrection, and waving the sheaf of the body. And from that day, 15th, Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came down. Do you see? God is doing everything according to his plan. Can you read it? Now, we have more feasts. Uh, in the Bible, you can see, you know, Bible is a very special book. There are many, many prophecies. There are prophecies in the Old Testament. There are also prophecies in the New Testament. Okay? You know, God is like this. Okay, guys, just listen to me. I tell you what's going on in the future, okay? He has the, his prophets to write down. Everything in human language, write down, written down. And God is saying like this, okay, okay, you just, guys, you just listen to me, okay? I already had my plan. I just let my prophets write down all these things. And you check my Bible, okay? If I'm doing according to my plan or not. All these prophecies, you know, the possibility... If, it is if they are fulfilled, 99% you are free to, not to believe in God, okay? You understand? Let me say, okay? I just given you, you know, this moment, many, many prophecies which are going to happen in this country or in the world. Let's say I give you 100 prophecies. Okay? Among them, 99 are fulfilled. How about me? I'm a great guy, right? Do you think so? Do you think so? How about 60%? Still okay, right? But God is saying, okay, I'm going to give you 100 or 10,000 prophecies. Among them, 99.999% are fulfilled, but very tiny 0.0001% is not fulfilled. I'm not asking you to believe me as my as your God, okay? He's real serious, you know. He wants to show that he's real God. So he's talking a lot of prophecies, you know. And also he's just, you know, just 
expecting that we just, you know, see if these are really being fulfilled or not. So far I can say there are so many prophecies about Jesus Christ in the Bible. Especially if you go to Old Testament, all these fields are actually pointing to Jesus Christ. If one of them missed the target, was not fulfilled, I won't believe in Jesus, actually. I'm serious, okay? Even one of them was not fulfilled, let's say, okay? I'm not going to believe in Jesus. Because God is so brave, okay? He's telling so many things about the future, and he said, look, if I'm doing all these things or not, according to my plan. So when we read the Bible, you have to focus on the prophecies, okay? You have to pay attention to these prophecies. Many things are fulfilled already through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit is coming. Prophecy and fulfillment or completion, okay? And another term, you know, I said shadow substance is figurative language. Type or symbol and type. Let me explain this one. It's almost the same thing, okay? As I said, waving the sheaf of the barley is a type, is a symbol. You know, itself, you know, many people, many people of Israel, they will understand perhaps, okay, giving thanks to God. Okay? That's the meaning of this feast. That's all. Now, every once a year, they just do this, the same drama, like a drama, okay, giving thanks to God, giving thanks to God. But they don't know the real meaning. But to God, it's kind of reminding, you know, on this day, I'm going to raise my child, my boy, Jesus Christ. You know, he asked the people of Israel to remind God. You know, so it's kind of reminding, and the real meaning is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's the anti-type. There's real thing. There's the substance. You know, this is shadow. The waving is shadow. You know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the anti-type. It's the substance. Do you get it? So in the Bible, you know, you can see many, many prophecies, shadows. Or types of symbols, but you have to figure out what's the real substance, you know, behind these sins. God is smart, you know. You have smartphone. Our God is smart God, okay? He's smart, he's smart enough. He doesn't need your smartphone, okay? He doesn't need your con- computer. He can calculate with a computer, you know. No problem for him. He does everything exactly as he wishes. You can check out in the Bible. If you don't read the Bible, you just miss the great things. You know? You're familiar with the, you know, the many products of this civilization. You know? Very great things. Computer, internet world, a cell phone, many, many things. You know? But if you don't read the Bible, you miss the greatest things. You are miserable, truly. There are many reasons you have to read the Bible. You have to pay attention to the Word of God. As I said in the morning, if you love God, why don't you pay attention to the Word of God? Do not say, do not lie to yourself, okay? Oh Lord, I love you. So what? Listen to me. Hear me. If you really love me, just just pay attention to my words. Without paying attention to my word, God is saying, you still say you are loving me? I don't believe you. You're deceiving me, you're deceiving yourself. You're lying to yourself. For example, tabernacle or temple, they become a shadow or type, a symbol, a prophecy for Jesus and for us. The saint means 
biblically, those who believe in Jesus Christ are, and who are saved by God and became children of God. Okay? This is the term of the saint. Okay? Do not be too serious. Okay? It's okay for us to use this term. Okay, tabernacle, temple is the place where God dwells. Okay? This is the house of God. You know, this is a building, it's a tent. This is another type of building, you know, it's a structure. And when people say, okay, temple is very important because it was meant for housing God, you know, just, just, uh, just providing God a place to dwell. That's okay. But there's the type, you know, there's the symbol, there's the shape. It's not substance, you know. The real meaning, real meaning of temple and tabernacle, actually you can find in Jesus and at the same time among the saints, the believers. How can I say this? Okay? Jesus is the person who in him, in whom God lives in full. 100% God is you know, expressing his life. So Jesus is full of his Father God. Okay? He has nothing by himself. No? He doesn't have his own word. Any word he's mentioning is, is from God, actually. You know, any action he's taking is actually from God, not from himself. So he's representing God. Actually, in him, God the Father is living 100%. By that way, God is expressing his life 100% in, through Jesus Christ. And that means Jesus is a real tabernacle, he's a real temple, okay? Temple is a shadow. So it's gone. Don't worry about it, okay? It's burnt by the Gentiles, Romans. You don't worry about it, okay? It's burnt by the Babylonians, Babylonians. You don't, you don't have to, you know, be sorry. It's okay. If the glory of God cannot stay in the temple, it's no more temple, okay? If the people of God sins, you know, commit sins in this temple, it's no more the temple of God. It's no more the dwelling place of God. So it can be, you know, anytime it can be, you know, burnt by the Gentiles. So God is not sorry for that. You know, God allows it. Why not? This is a shadow. This is a type. This is a symbol. But the real thing is Jesus Christ, okay? He is the one in whom God dwells. You know? And Temple also at the same time signifies saints, okay, the believers. You believe in Jesus Christ, you become children of God. God, through the Holy Spirit, He wants to live in you. And He can do that, why not? If God can dwell in temple, why can't He dwell in you? Why not? So Paul is brave enough to say, okay, you are what? Paul said, what did he say? You Christians, you believers, as a monk, What? I'm sorry. The temple of God. You know, when the Jewish people heard this, they tried to kill him. They tried to kill Jesus. Actually, they killed Jesus. They couldn't bear it. But that's true. There's the substance, you know. There's the real thing. God can live in you. If God lives in you, who are you? Temple of God. That's what Paul said to us. You are the temple of God. The whole congregation, or each of you as real Christians, you become the temple of God, if God dwells in you. Okay? There's a real meaning of this tabernacle or temple. So, you stick to tabernacle or temple, your religion becomes superstitious. Okay? Understand? But you just catch grace, the real meaning, the substance, Jesus, and yourself as the temple of God, you become real Christian. 
You become real believer. Okay? If you overemphasize on this building, the structure of this church, you become superstitious, I, I tell you. Okay? But if you understand this congregation as the body of Christ, as the real temple, the substance, and you become real Christians. So you have to try to grasp the real thing, the substance, okay? Not the shadow. So you have to always, you know, you have to divide between the shadow and the real thing, okay? This is tabernacle. Just continue. Temper. Temper. Okay, tabernacle, temper, type for Jesus. In John 2, 19, 21, Jesus answered them, destroy this temper. The structure in Jerusalem. And I will raise it again in three days. Okay, here it is. This temper. They have different meanings, okay? This temper, you know, according to the understanding of the Jewish hearers, you know, they thought the temper in Jerusalem. But actually, Jesus meant the same thing, okay? This temper, actually, Jesus meant his body. If you destroy this body, me, I will raise it again in three days. This is the resurrection of Jesus. So, in this passage, the real temper is, the temper he has spoken, it was his own body, okay? So, here is shadow, his substance. The symbol, here is also the real thing. And tie tie. And tabernacle, temporal type of sins. Okay. Corinthians 4. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If the Spirit of God dwells in you, what are you? You are the temple of God. So great. So you have to be careful, you have to be careful, you know, careful. How to manage this temple of God, you have to be serious, you know. You cannot easily commit sins. You are not supposed to commit sins. You cannot think bad things, okay? You You are not supposed to touch bad things. Not profitable things, okay? You're not supposed to do something you know, harmful to your body. Not only your body, to your spirit, okay? For example, okay, you enjoy computer games, and if you, if you conclude these things can harm your spiritual life, then you're not supposed to do that. Because you are, what? You say, the temple of God. Okay? The Holy God cannot stay with unholy things together. He doesn't want. If you, you know, start touching the unholy things, the Holy God will leave you. His glory will leave you. You are the temple of God, okay? That's what the Bible teaches us. So you have to try to grasp the real meaning, okay? The substance. If you focus on tabernacle and temple, I say again, your religion becomes very superstitious, okay? But you have to real Christians, you know, by understanding, by reading correctly the Bible. Uh, let me give you another type, a symbol, an anti-type. Among the, the utensils of uh, the tabernacle, there's one object, item called the ark. It's a box, okay? Ark in Hebrew means box. It's made of gold, and inside you put two stones. What's written on the stones? Ten commandments. Ten words, actually. And the covering, the lid, has different name. 
Anybody knows the name of the covering of this ark? What's the name of it? Atonement cover, okay? Sometimes they uh, translate mercy seat. This, that has a different name, okay? This part without the lid, the covering, is ark. Okay? And this covering is cherubim, is something different, okay? This part, the covering, the lid, is called, what is that? Atonement cover, or mercy seat, okay? Two different translations. Let me explain this one, okay? In Chinese version of your Bible, Chinese version, perhaps you don't read Chinese version, there's one word, a very strange word. I know Chinese Christians have no idea what that is. <laughs> that is called, if you know Chinese, Wan Hui Jin. Okay. In English, there are different translations, uh, expiations. You know, you don't understand. How do you understand that English word either? Okay. Anyway, nobody understands among Chinese Christians, those who read Chinese Bible. Okay. I know that term, actually, there's a term, the Greek term, for this part of the ark, the covering of the ark, atonement seat. You know, Jesus became atonement covering. Jesus became atonement cover, mercy seat. What does it mean? You know, this is the ark, and you open the atonement cover, what happens? You are curious what's in inside, okay? Just you try to open the cover. What happens to you? You are care. You know that? It's written in the Bible, okay? That happened actually. Some people opened it and they were killed. That means inside you have two stones that have ten commandments, the law of the word of God, okay? Once you open the cover, you know, anytime God can judge you according to his word inside, according to the law. You are sinners, he kills you. So once the cover is got rid of, you're liable to be careful, you know? So, be careful not to open it. It should cover it, okay? It should be upon the, the ark. You know, this function is very, very meaningful. You know, what do I say? It's like this. Jesus is like this atonement cover, okay? He's covering the wrath of God, the judgment of God, based on His word, law, okay? Jesus, he covered the wrath or judgment of God by his own blood. That's why we are safe. You know? As long as the blood of Jesus is covering the law of Moses, we are safe before God. You understand or not? There's a real meaning of this cover. Okay? But in Chinese version, they miss this concept. Jesus became one way. What does it mean? Nobody knows. There's a problem. But you can check actually through Greek and Hebrew. I'm just helping, you know. This one is a symbol. It's a symbol for Jesus Christ, who is covering the wrath of God or the judgment of God okay, for us, using His blood. If you know this, and you can read Hebrews, and you can understand better, okay? So you have to try to catch up the symbol, the relationship between the symbol and the substance, the real meaning, okay? Once you fail, I tell you again, okay, you become very superstitious, okay? You just lose the direction. You don't know what Christian is, what Christianity is. 
Simply you are practicing a religion. The name is Christianity. It doesn't matter, okay? But you are not trusting in Jesus. You are not believing in Jesus Christ. That's the problem. You have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Even though you say, I love Jesus, you know? This is atonement cover. Hebrew, in Hebrew, is kaporet, and Greek, illustria. Uh, this is not my mistake, okay? I don't know, it messed up. Uh, you can take this, copy this PowerPoint file from this computer you can use. Uh, my Greek is not bad, it's not that bad, okay? My Greek is okay, I teach Greek, so it's not my mistake. I don't know what happened here. It's messed up. Illustria, and all these verses you can check up. Propitiation, okay? Uh, in Chinese is one way okay. and there's another symbol and substance okay how do you pronounce this name Markitzedek in Hebrew okay whatever you pronounce Markitzedek okay Markitzedek and Jesus he, he becomes the symbol and Jesus becomes the real substance okay do you see in the Bible full of this type and anti-type Now I'm coming to history and the Bible. Uh, history is very important for our faith. Okay? As a believer, as a Christian, I just, you know, uh, I just, I like history, you know. Why do I like history? It's very simple. Now I can see in our history, in human history, I can see the hands of God. You know? God is working out in His own way in our history. So without history, you know, Christian, Christian faith is nothing. The death of Jesus Christ happened in the history. Is that right or not? The birth of Jesus Christ through the Virgin Mary was the fact or story? History or story? It's a history, okay? And the resurrection, the death and resurrection is a, is a history. You know, all this, even the story of Jonah, history or story? Is real history or just novel? Fiction or non-fiction? The history of Jonah. Is it fiction or non-fiction? You know, the Bible is full of history. And today, the Satan is very successful in attacking the Word of God by teaching us, even in the seminaries, through the through the theologians, so-called Christian scholars. The Satan is attacking our faith by telling us the stories written in the Bible, many of them are not the real histories. They're simply fictions. How can you believe Jonah spent three days and nights in a big fish? How can you believe that? Did he survive or not? How can you believe a virgin, Mary, could bear a child? How can you believe a dead man be raised from the dead? How can you believe all these things? How can you believe Jonah went to Nineveh, today's Mosul? Just the day he preached, you know, all the people of the big city repented. How can you believe? How can you believe all the happenings written in the Bible, the miracles? How can you believe Jesus using How many bread? This is a bread? 
five loaves of bread and two fish, feeding 5,000 men, male adults, only, okay? About 20,000 people. How can you believe all these things? So the Satan is attacking the truth, you know, then by teaching us all this just for lesson, you know, it's a fiction. It's, they are fictions, but for your lesson, you know. They are taking the historicity of the Bible. But for me, the more I read the Bible, once you give up the historical part, the historicity of the Bible, you are giving up your Christian faith. Okay? Let me repeat. Okay? Once you give up the historicity of the Bible, you are giving up your Christian faith. So the Bible is directly related with the history itself. Okay? If they are not historians, I won't believe in Jesus, okay? If Jonah was a figure of a fiction, I won't believe in Jesus, actually. If Jesus couldn't feed 5,000 people using five loaves of bread and two fish, if it were not true, no, I couldn't believe in Jesus. But I believe all this can happen. Why not? No? Why not? He is God, you know? So, history is very important in the Bible, you know. Today, the, the attack of Satan, especially in the seminaries, you know, even, I tell you, the American pastors, how many persons don't believe resurrection, do you know? There are statistics, I read it in Time magazine, okay? How many persons of Christian pastors in this country don't believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ? How many? Guess. How many persons? Do you believe or not? Do you believe? Do you believe the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? Do you believe? Raise your hand if you believe. Just a little bit, believe a little bit? Just like this, okay? Okay, thank you. You know, how many persons American pastors don't believe the resurrection of Jesus Christ? I read, I don't know. I think it is Time magazine many years ago. 50%, the half, a half. Pastors, can you believe that? The Christian pastors who are trained in seminaries, they are brainwashed, you know, not to believe the historicity of the Bible. Many of them. You know, Satan is working so hard, you know, to cheat us, to deceive us. I said, okay. History is another part. You know, the Bible stories, they are fictions. It's okay, without historical background, you can be Christians. Why not? That's why they can, you know, the majority, the major, the big uh, denominations of Christians, you know, they already accept homosexuality, right? PCUSA, the biggest Presbyterian church. The Anglican Episcopal Church, okay? The biggest denomination among the protest group in this country. They are accepting already the homosexuals. The Bible says clearly against, against, you know. God doesn't like it. Hates it, actually. But so-called Christians, they are accepting this. You know? They can believe anything once they give up the history of the Bible. They can believe anything, you know. Even against the Bible. You know? So, when you read the Bible, you know, watch out, you know. You have to know All these writings, actually, they are related to history. They happen in the history. So this part, you have to pay attention, okay? 
Do not forget that the Christian truth is based on history. If you remove history from the Bible, there will be no more Christianity, okay? The Bible is the historical story. About how God came into human history and what he did, those and is going to do in this story. Then, I believe one thing, okay? As a believer, once I believe in Jesus Christ, become a Christian, become a child of God, he wants to write his own story in me, in my life, you know? So, you have to expect, you know, your experience, your life experience, actually, not your own experience, but the history of God. God wants to write his own history, what he's doing through you. You know, he wants to express you know, what he wants to do through your life. So you have to let him interfere, not only interfere with you, but also let him dwell in you, just doing his work, not helping you to do what you want to do. You understand? Okay? There's a real Christian. If you're a real Christian, you have to let God do what he wants to do, what he meant to do, you know? I'm very sure once you become a Christian, God wants to take over your schedule, okay? You have to give your schedule to Him. What do you want to be in the future? You want to be a lawyer? Good. You want to be a medical doctor? Good. But you have to just ask Him, okay? God, I let my life just be lived by you, okay? You schedule me. I want to be programmed by you, you know? You already programmed me through Jesus Christ. And through the Holy Spirit. So you just continue doing what you want to do. So through the Bible we can learn, you know, we can learn the people, the people who just let God to live his own life in their lives. We can see these people. Paul was one of them. Paul the Apostle, you know. Paul, the natural Paul, the original Paul, was a persecutor of Christians. Actually, in the eyes of Jesus, the persecutor of Jesus, he persecuted Jesus, whom he didn't see before, okay? That was his purpose of his life, you know? He did his best to persecute Jesus. But his life has been changed by meeting Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. How was he changed? Simple, you know? He doesn't have any more his own purpose. He doesn't have any, his own schedule, you know? Everything, whatever he does, he says, you know, according to the schedule of God. Actually, he meant to preach the gospel among the Easterners, Eastern people. But God changed his direction to the West, you know. He didn't want to go to the West. He didn't want to go to the Gentiles, but he wanted to go to the Jewish people, the same people. But he was sent to the Gentiles by the Holy Spirit. He was forced, actually. Do you see? His life course has been changed because of this, you know, God, the new owner. So you have to realize, when you read the Bible, we can learn, okay, God has done all these things in this paper. You know, then you have to ask him, what are you going to do with me? Okay? But you have to say, of course, I give up my own plan. Okay? I don't want to live what I want to do. Perhaps I want to be an artist. That's not bad. Perhaps I want to be a, a scientist. That's not bad. But how about you? What do you think about me? Okay? What do you want to do in my life? Okay? What's your plan? You have to ask him, and he can do the best of you, actually. He can do the best job. Why don't you give him a chance to do what he wants to do? If you just give him a chance, he can make you the best you know, of your life, actually. Try it. So the, the Bible is a real historical history. So we can, the more you learn history, 
just match the history with the Bible writing, biblical writings. It's really fun. I love it, you know. Uh, I love uh, visiting uh, museums. I have a chance uh, to visit Paris every year. I'm going there again in August. And if I stay in Paris, sometimes one week, sometimes two weeks, I have to teach about eight hours a day, you know. Still, I find time because I'm teaching from 3 to 11 o'clock. I forgot, something like that, anyway. Just find time in the morning, you know, even a little bit tired. Just go to museum, Ruber Museum. Just many times I visit here, you know. I want you know, paintings, are not my interest anyway, okay. But all these archaeological finds, I love it. Egyptian, you know, this is Christ. This is ink, ink horn, you know. Uh, all this, all this ink and pens. For example, Hezekiah Tunnel, okay. The Bible has just one or couple of verses. Okay? It's written, Hezekiah, he's the king of Judah. During his, during his reign, Assyrians, today's Iraq, attacked this country. The northern Israel was already destroyed, okay? Done. Doomed. But this southern Judah was in danger, you know, almost conquered by Assyrian army. Just Jerusalem already was left, okay? Was, you know, declining. Judah was going to this uh, destruction. That was the time of Hezekiah. During this time, he decided to make a tunnel under the city of Jerusalem to protect the water, okay? Uh, that is called Hezekiah Tunnel. It's written just one verse in the Bible. You know, today, if you go to Jerusalem, you have a chance to walk about 500 some meters. I walked once inside. That's done about 2,700 years ago by the order of Hezekiah. And this thing was written in the Bible, only one passage. But you can see the real stuff in Jerusalem, even today. Even today. You know? So the history cannot be separated from the writings of the Bible. Okay? This is the tunnel of Hezekiah. Okay? This city of Jerusalem, this okay, coast, is the tunnel. It's called. Tunnel of Hezekiah. Inside the tunnel, they found this inscription on the wall, okay? The stone wall, stone car. They wrote down, okay, this is modern script, it's ancient script, we understand this, okay? They just, the workers, they wrote down something, you know, to, to do, you know, for memorial of their work, you know, great work, anyway. So, this real one is in Istanbul Museum because that's during the Turkish uh, rule. And this tunnel was found, so it was taken to the Museum of Istanbul. But, uh, you know, replica you can see in Jerusalem Israel Museum. This is the real thing, photography. This is the final, uh, uh, final stop of the tour of the tunnel. We call it Siloam Pur. And, you know, you used to you visit something else, you know. Uh, did, you find, did you visit this one or something else? You know, it was found about 15 years ago. The old one is not real, okay? The new one, this one is real, okay? Uh, when I was there 30 years ago, I used to go another place. We used to call it Purobsalon, but that's not right, okay? This one is new. It was found new. And King Mesha, you can see in 2 Kings 3 4, 
Gemesha, he's the king of Moab about 2,800 years ago. And his name is in the Bible. And in his uh, danger, he decided to sacrifice his oldest son on the city wall. He did. It's written in the Bible. Okay? It's written in the Bible. He's a Moabite. And I know his inscription. Moabite inscription or Mesha stone, there are different names. You can see this real inscription, real stone, and Ruber Museum in Paris. Okay? I saw so many times. Okay, I have checked. So, written in the Bible. What is this? And he offered his first son as the burnt offering. I don't know what this is. Okay? This is a real Moabite stone, about this height. The basalt stone. He's mentioning the kings of Israel, etc. Israel, king of Israel, Omri. This is Meshach's stone. It was found by chance. And this Moabite language is almost like Hebrew, so I understand. I used to know all these things. I can read this thing. Yahweh, Jehovah. Okay? This is another very important Dan inscription. This was found recently. Now, many people, now maybe some people, they don't believe anything in the Bible, you know. There's one archaeologist in Israel, his name is Israel Finkelstein, a Jew. He doesn't believe anything, anything written in the Bible. He said there was no David, there was no guys such, you know, as Solomon. And all those are fiction. He denies everything, you know. But this stone, you know, was found recently, uh, within 30 years, I think, 20 years. And it's written, David, Beit David, House of David, in Hebrew, ancient Hebrew, in Dan. Okay, this is Beit David. Okay, this is uh, this Aramean, Syrian king Hazael. He's stale, okay? not Jewish stale. Gentile king, uh, he left his inscription and he's mentioning the name of David. Okay, it's a great proof. And another based on inscription, there is one Darius. How do you pronounce this? Darius, Darius, the great. There are different Darius in the Bible. This one, he is the king of Nehemiah. He is the king of Nehemiah. He is the king of Ezra. He is a very important king, okay? And this king is mentioned many times in the Bible. Actually, he left great, great inscription on stones. It's huge. There are three different languages, written in different languages, with sculptures, with, re with relief, okay? Half sculpture, okay? His name is uh, Darius, and he's after Cyrus the Great, after Tempsis II, he's the son of Cyrus. And his god is Zoroastrian religion, Auram Masa is his god. And the three languages, Elamite, Babylonian, and all Persian languages. And uh, 15 meters high by 15 meters wide. Very huge, right? And this is King Darius, the king. During this. Okay, this is the king who attacked, himself didn't go there. Greece, Marathon War. Do you know this war? 490 BC, there was war between Greece and Persia. This king was the one who sent the army. Okay, they failed. From Marathon, one Greek soldier ran to Athens and reported, and he died. From that day on, they just to memorize, commemorate, just mem they just run. How many miles? 
that's the distance between Marathon and Athens. 419, okay? The Persian side king was this man. He's the king of Nehemiah. Do you see? The history is connected with our Bible. After him, okay, this is their god, Zoroastrian, uh, Auram Masa, okay? This is King Darius. This is the inscription. You cannot see clearly here. It's in Ireland today. You see the relief here? Okay. Three languages. And okay, depicting all these different, you know, captives. And then your uh, uh, Bible prophecy and fulfillment. If you check, when you read the Bible, you know, uh, in your hand, you know, one hand, the Bible, and you just check the history, and the Bible prophecies have been fulfilled, uh, I think, over 70% so far. And 30% or 20% are left. You now we're expecting the fulfillment of these prophecies. And I say, so far, one, among 170, I say, 70% or more than 70%, I think, 80% of prophecies have been fulfilled, I believe, another 20%, no problem. Okay? That's what I say. I love math, actually. When I was a kid, I was crazy in math. You know? I believe so. God is saying, okay, I'm giving you tens of thousands of prophecies. Among them, just 0.0001 fails. I'm not asking you to believe in me. That's God, you know. So he's doing everything according to his own plan, very accurate. Uh, this one I just want to skip. Uh, Tyre is a city in Lebanon today. It used to be very important, you know, very powerful country. It's marine power. They do trading using the boats. You know? Ezekiel 26, 28, very long prophecies on there, on this Tyre. Tyre, Sidon, Sidon, Lebanon, uh, here, I'm sorry. Okay, this is the boat they used to use. Okay, this is the small empire, but the empire has been expanded, you know, toward the Mediterranean Sea. So they have many colonies, even to Spain. Today, there's a city called Barcelona. Barcelona. They comes from Barco. Barco is a family name of Hannibal. Do you know Hannibal? He is a descendant of this area. Okay, about 800 BC. Some people from here moved to North Africa, Tunisia today. They planted a city and city country that is called, uh, uh, how do you call that? Cartage, okay? Cartage. C A R T H A G. Have you heard? Cartage. In Tunisia of today, okay? And that was the great contract, a commercial country, by trading. They became very rich. And these people are descendants of this area. And one of them, the family name is Barco. And they conquered Spain, one part of Spain, and called it New Carthage, before the Roman occupation, until the second 200 BC, okay? And Hannibal, he was the one who attacked Rome from Spain using the uh, uh, Alpes, okay, crossing the Alpes. If you check YouTube, you can see the story, okay, movie. It's really nice. And almost conquered Rome. 
So all the Romans were so afraid of this man, Hannibal. Okay? He is the, one of the descendants of this area. Okay? Canaanite, Sidonians, or uh, tyrants. They had this commercial trading power. So they were so rich. You know? Nobody was able to think you know, this country was going to perish. But the Bible says clearly this country is doomed. You know? It's going to perish. By the plan of God. This prophecy is written in Ezekiel, three chapters, very long content. From here they start here. And the Phoenicians, in modern time, they are called Phoenicians, okay? They conquered, they planted many, many colonies. Here, Barcelona, from the family Balco. Here is Carthage, you see? Yeah. Uh, they made many places as their colonies. This rich country, their boat. Do you see the boat? Yeah. So even Solomon, you know, had to depend on this guy, the king of this area, to build up their boat, their ship, you know. The shipping construction, Israel didn't have that technique. They had to invite the people from Sidon, from Tyre, to build up together. Okay? The Israelites, they didn't have this technique. Even Solomon, this is their ship. Okay? And they sold many things. You know, if you see in uh, museums, if you see, you can see Metropolitan Museum. There's a jar, very quite long, okay? Like this, but in the bottom is, how do you call this shape? It's very sharp, narrow, like this. How do you call this type? Okay, cone type. That's right, okay? Cone type. It's like this, start like this and like this. You know? You, it cannot stand alone. This jar, this type of jar is called amphoria. Do you know? Amphoria. Amphoria, amphor uh, in Greek means round. It's like gyro, okay? You know gyro, the Greek food? Gyro, you know? It means right, round, okay? Gyro in Greek, ero means round, okay? This amphoria is like this. This is the jar used for transporting wines, you know. All these type of jars come from Lebanon in ancient time. They sold a lot of wine, you know, to the world, the whole world, the Mediterranean world. You can find many places, even the southern part of France and Italy, Tuscana, you know, in the western part of that area, you know, many places you can find ancient jars, amphorae, okay. That means the people of Sidon or Tyre, They made a lot of money you know, by trade. But who thought this tire, powerful Sidon and Tyre, they are doomed actually by the plan of God, you know? Ezekiel 26, 27, 28 saying about the destruction of Tyre. This is King Nebuchadnezzar, Babylonia, okay? First time he destroyed Tyre. And second time, finally, Tyre was destroyed by this young guy. What's his name? This is 6th century BC, 4th century BC. 200 years difference, okay? This guy totally destroyed Tyre, okay? This is very famous in story. It's written in the Bible, by the way. Okay? Everything is written in the Bible. Before happenings. Nebuchadnezzar 26, 7, you know. This is Tyre, and this is, you know, 
higher inland, higher in the island. There's no bridge is here between them. Now it became one, connected now, but it used to be separated. And when Alexander came, this part of Tyre was conquered just immediately. But this island is, you know, fortified. It was not easy to conquer this. And his general said, okay, we just take detour, you know. Just, just leave it alone, okay? It's not easy to take this. But Alexander said, this young man, I have to destroy this one. Nobody can stand before me, okay, against me. So he spent about almost one year, he made this Isna Bridge. This is the construction connecting inland and island, you know, using timbers and using stones. And it just, you know, filled up this sea and connected. And it just killed all of the people inside there. When this news was heard in the world, Egypt, okay, welcome Alexander. They didn't fight. Egypt, the great country in ancient times, they welcomed Alexander, the young man. And how about Israel? Israel heard this news, the trembling, you know. They had a meeting and they decided to welcome this young king. And they brought all the priests together, you know, in very clean, uh, their costumes, the priestly costumes, and just carrying one scroll of Daniel, I think, just opening the part, chapter 8, I think, and showing this young guy, oh, great king, you know, the prophecy of prophecy is written about you here in our Bible. Of course, this young guy don't understand even, doesn't understand even one word. They explain to him, okay, do you see? Okay, it reads like this, and it's about you. This small horn is you, okay? Our Bible has a prophecy on you. Welcome you. And from that time on, Alexander the Great was so curious about this special nation of Israel. And he allowed them to freely worship their God, to build their, have their own temple. Okay? There's a relationship between Alexander and Israel. So the history is written in the Bible, actually. If you know it, if you search for it. The prophecy on Greece and Alexander the Great, Daniel, has all these prophecies actually. I don't know what happened, just listen. What can I do? Direction is wrong. In Daniel, you know, there are four empires. And the first empire was Babylon, and the second empire was Media, Medo, Persia. And the third one is Greece, Hellenistic Empire. Do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? He's the father of Alexander the Great. Okay? Do you want to meet him or not? Do you want to visit his tomb? You don't have any interest? I have a chance to visit his tomb twice at least, okay? Three times, twice, I think. His tomb is not far away from Berea in Greece, okay? You can visit. Here's a big tomb, and his young wife, one of his wives, was buried together. When he died, he was killed, assassinated by his bodyguard, okay? 
and young wife, one of his young wives, decided to follow him. So usually they just drink poison and just die and just bury together. So they prepared very beautiful golden crown for this man, for also young wife, okay? And in a box, you can find the bone, I think it's of Philip II, and also here's a funeral crown, and another tomb beside his uh, tomb, his wife's tomb, and beautiful golden crown. Also, you can see the armor of Philip II. Also, he has, how do you call this? This part of armor. You just protect your leg, you put something here, right? How do you call that? Leg shield? Whatever, okay? If you see, I saw it, okay? One part is longer, one part is short, which means he is crippled. If you see the film Alexander, Philip II, he has some you know, kind of, have you noticed that or not? This film Alexander the Great, right? And his father is kind of crippled a little bit during the war, I think. Anyway, okay. This is Macedon, Macedonia, Macedonia, okay? Uh, Philip, uh, he became the king and he conquered, almost conquered the whole Greece, just actually organized as one unit against Persia. All this, this is the funeral crown for Philip II, okay? In the tomb, this is the box, uh, all the items of his were kept here. And this is the place where he was assassinated. And this is the place, okay, Vergina, Vergina, Thessaloniki, here. Philip, 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 uh, Philip, Pai. Philip, Pai, here, okay, Philip, Pai. Paul came and passed this way, okay. So if you know all the history and the geography and you read the Bible, it's really interesting, you know, the Bible comes up, you know. Last year, the Lord has given me a chance to visit this country three times, actually, you know. It is related with the Bible translation to Chinese. So thanks God I didn't spend even one penny from my, from my pocket. It was paid from someone else to help them. Okay, so sometimes it works out, you know, God can do great things. Anyway, I had a chance to visit this uh, Greece, this area, and I visited this tomb twice. And I just in my hands, the Bible, the history and the Bible, the geography or geographical history, the Bible. It's really, you know, interesting. Alexander the Great, from here, guiding almost, almost 100,000 soldiers, okay, almost. He led this army toward the east to kill so many people. Actually, he killed so many people. He shed blood on many, many people to build up his own empire. To build up, he destroys. He destroys to build up. It's a nonsense, you know. This man, this young man, very vigorous man, he wants to build up great, great empire, okay? Just bring peace for many, many people. For that purpose, at the same time, he kills so many people. Can you build up by destroying so many people? I don't believe so. But that's the way of the humankind. You know? The Roman Empire was killed by shedding many bloods. Blood of many people. All the empires had to shed blood of many people to build up their own. You know? It's a nonsense. And the Persian army before Alexander the Great crossed this place K 
10 degrees to kill so many people during Darius the first, the second, first, I'm sorry. 490, Marathon War. And after 10 years, his son, Sir says, you know, 300, do you know this film? 300, what? Spartans. This 480. Sir says, he let some people say 1 million soldiers, army. Some people say half a million. You know, at least I think 400,000 soldiers came. From all nations, okay, peoples. He led this group of people to kill so many people. So this crossroad, you know, Thessaloniki, Amphipolis, and what is this? Whatever, okay, Amphipolis, and Philippi here, and continue. Today's Istanbul. They cross this road, Egnatia, via Egnatia. This is the name for this highway from the second century BC by Romans, okay? The same highway, they crossed this highway to kill from east to the west, from the west to the east, okay? So many people were killed. There's one man, about 50 some 80. One man, just few, a few colleagues, friends, walking, not riding horse, walking from west, from east to west, okay? Crossing, just getting off the boat here in Kavala, Neopolis in ancient time, and going to Philippi and using the Via Egnatia, this highway, the same highway, walking toward west. Only one man, just with a few friends, who was able to build another kingdom of God. Do you know his name? Paul. He came alone. Actually, he didn't come alone. He came with Jesus Christ, with his spirit. This is the way God builds up his kingdom. The kingdom of God on the earth, okay? Not in the heaven. The kingdom of God on the earth. Or I, I may call it the empire of God was built up also by shedding the blood. The Hellenistic empire, the Roman empire, Babylonian empire, name it, okay? Whatever empire it is, okay? All these all these other empires were built up by shedding blood of so many people. Right? Even China, you know, different dynasties, to build up empires. They had to fight wars, killing many people. But this empire of God was built up by shedding the blood of who? This empire of God, this kingdom of God was built up or is building up by shedding whose blood? The king's blood only. The king, do you know his name? Do you know the name of the king of this empire? Huh? His name is Jesus. Okay, he's the only one. The king himself, he shed his own blood to build up this great empire. So he's building up by shedding his own blood, not by destroying others but building up others, you know? The world empires, they are just building up the empires, killing by destroying others, you know? It's a nonsense. So I don't believe, you know, what humankind are doing, you know? They're not actually beautiful, you know? We are destroying so many things, so many people. But God, through His King, Jesus Christ, is building up His empire, you know? Only by shedding His only child's blood, the King's blood, the different world. 
So once my history, you know, do not forget even the secular history is in the hands of God, okay? What's happening in this country, in China, wherever, you know, the countries, you have, do not forget, okay, God is holding, God is in control, okay? You do not worry about too much about this country. You do not, do not worry about too much about the future of the world, okay? God is in control. Do you believe so? Okay? As long as you stick to God, you are safe, okay? As long as you are siding with Jesus Christ, you are safe, okay? Do not tell Jesus, Jesus, you just become my side, okay? Do not say that, okay? You have to stand in his side, okay? Then everything is safe. This is his kingdom. So we are learning through the worldly empires, kingdoms. We can learn the, the story of the kingdom of God, okay? God is doing a great job in this world. This is the entrance of Philip II's tomb. And the prophecy about Alexander you can find in uh, Daniel. I believe the priests of Israel, they brought the scroll of Daniel to show Alexander the Great. There was a meeting between this Alexander and the Jews. All this world, I want to skip. Okay, here one mosaics found in Israel, okay? It's uh, depicted in one uh, synagogue, not so ancient, okay? Uh, I forgot, 6th century or 5th century AD. Anyway, this is the high priest, and this is Alexander the Great. Uh, you know, they are described the, the meeting between the Jewish people and Alexander in the synagogue. Very interesting. This is high priest. This is Alexander. Yeah? Uh, the battles Alexander fought and he conquered this uh, Persepolis. So if you know all this story of Alexander, you know, at the same time you read the Bible, you can learn a lot actually. So when you read as a Bible reader, I recommend you to read, you know, to know a lot of history. Today, you have internet. You want to learn, you can learn many things actually. Too many, too many things to learn. But there are many false information at the same time, okay? There are very bad, male information also. Uh, continue. The geography of the Bible land. When you read the Bible, you know, you know the familiar with the geography of the land is really helpful, okay? So today you have internet and you can actually YouTube, you can, even though you, without visiting Israel, you can know many things, you know. As I said, the Dead Sea, the, the surface of Dead Sea is lower than or higher than the Mediterranean Sea. How many? 100 meters. That's the deepest, that's the lowest point in the world, okay. It's really special. This one unique. You see, Mediterranean Sea, this is Dead Sea. Uh, in the middle is mountains, hilly countries, and these um, uh, coastal plains. Okay? Another hilly country in the east of Jordan River, there's the Sea of Galilee. Okay? This lake, so the Hermon, mountain of Hermon here. Okay? Jerusalem here, you just here, 70, 80 kilometers, you go up 800 meters. And from Jerusalem to Jericho, about 30 kilometers, you go down. 
1200 meters to the surface of the sea you go down uh, 1200 meters okay to Jericho about 1100 meters so you have to go down 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 just within 40 kilometers you just go down I walked from Jerusalem to Jericho Jerusalem about 875 meters and Jericho minus 270 meters I walked twice it took about seven or eight hours okay I walked twice on foot It was a great experience for me. Like this, okay? The topography like this. It's very special. The climate to dry season and rainy season. Rain for not so much. Oh, oh it's going down. Okay. Okay. Uh, they are depending on agricultural products in ancient time, not today anymore. Uh, water is from the heaven, it's rain, water, it's not from river like Egypt. And the seven species, wheat, barley, vine, fig tree, pomegranate, olive oil, and honey. Uh, do you know date? You don't have date here, but today, They produce, they produce a lot of dates. Do you know palm date? You can purchase Israeli palm dates in Costco. Not expensive, okay? Very sweet. Uh, based on agriculture, God has blessed this country. If they obey, they just, God gives rain. If they don't obey, it doesn't give. Do you know the name of this tree? Acacia tree, okay, in Sinai Peninsula. This is the only tree you can see there. It's a very arid area. Almost no trees, no uh, grasses, but this is the only type of tree you can see in that area, okay? Acacia tree. What do you do with this tree? You make all the utensils of the tabernacle, okay? Ark. And what else? Altar. All these things. Why this tree? Because it is good or what? Because that's the only tree you have in that part of country, okay? So God is merciful with you. What you have, just make it with it. Okay? He's not asking using cedar of Lebanon, very expensive, very nice. And this is cedar, this is hyssop. Okay? This is cedar, this is hyssop. Hyssop. What is this? Fig. This fig. What is this? What is this? What is this? Pomegranate. Yeah. You see? What is this? Pomegranate. Bush granite, not granite, okay? <laughs> They share the same word in Hebrew, actually, for granite. What is this? What is this? What is this? This olive also. Olive, olive. What is this? Almond. Have you ever seen almond tree? In California, you can see, not here, okay? In Jeremiah, can you read this? Can you read this? Please. Can you read this? Please. 
Okay, we call this playing on words. God sometimes he, he likes playing on, on words. What does it mean? Jeremiah, what do you see? He said, I see Shakedim in Hebrew, okay? A branch of Shakedim. Shakedim is almond tree. Okay, you're right. I'm doing, okay, the second. That's right, and it means that I'm watching, and I will suddenly carry out all my plans. Watching and suddenly carry out. Okay, this is Shoked in Hebrew. So he's playing on words, same sound, okay? You see Shoked, and I'm doing what I'm going to do, okay? I'm watching and carrying out my plan. This is playing on words. What is this? No. <laughs> no way. What is this? Almond. Almond, okay? What is Okay, in English, they pronounce almond, I think, in this kind of almond. Almond. This is almond. What is this? Almond, okay? What is this? Almond tree. What is this? <laughs> What is this? Wait. What is this? Everything is almond, okay? Wheat. What is this? Again, almond. <laughs> Barley, okay? Barley. What is this? Sycamore fig tree. In Chinese version, they translate it into Melberry. The translation is wrong, okay? In Chinese, Shangshu, Shangshu, Melberry. That's not right, okay? That is Sycamore tree, this kind of wild fig tree. Sakaios, Sakaios, he climbed up on this tree. Do you remember? This is Sycamore tree, this kind of uh, fig tree. This is. The leaves look like mulberry, but it's not. Do you know silkworm? Silkworm eat the leaves of mulberry, shangshu, but it's not. It's a common, okay? Fig tree, kind of fig tree. What is this? The Chinese translation is wrong. They didn't catch up. You know, they didn't know the plan. This one, Zechariah, one eight. Can you read it? Zechariah, when you open your Bible. Zechariah 1.8. Can you read it? Motor, right? Do you see motor? This correct translation in Chinese, uh, they have wrong one, okay? They translate in fan shiryo, that's wrong. Motor tree. It's a small shop, it's a small shop, not high. Usually they use uh, for fence in Israel. I used to live in an area, you know, which was uh, surrounded by this tree. It has smell good odor. Uh, almost the same time you can see in New York, but they don't have any good smell, okay? So I assume different type. This is kind of motor, okay? This one. 
mother. What is this? Elijah sitting, you know, sitting here. Oh Lord, take my life. I'm not worthy anymore. You know. Isabel tried to kill him. He was so afraid of this evil woman, and he ran away. In the Negev, in arid area, he's sitting down there. He said, "Oh Lord, take my life." He was sitting just below this tree. He just provides at least a little bit shade. This tree is called broom tree. Rotem in Hebrew. In Chinese, you didn't translate rotong, rotong, something like that. Okay, rotong shu. Okay, it's Hebrew. Rotem is broom tree, like this. Okay, this is broom tree. Broom tree. What is this? Thistle. Okay, and earth and dry season. Yeah, fruit. You have here in New York. Jingji. What is this? What is this? Vulture, not eagle. Okay. What's the difference between vulture and eagle? That's right. Vulture eat. Vultures eat only. Okay, that's the scavenger. Okay, dead. Okay, it doesn't live alive. It doesn't live. Uh, eat. Uh, where, where the, where the dead, where the dead are, dead are, where the corpses are, there the vultures are. Do you remember this passage? What does it mean? Vultures looking for only dead body. Okay, carcasses, corpses. It doesn't. They don't attack any alive, living creature. Okay. Uh, According to my understanding, the vulture in that context means the first prophets, first teachers. They attack, you know, some church goers, even though they claim they are Christians, but they are not real Christians, like the dead body young, you know. These first prophets may attack these first Christians, okay, like the dead people. That's the meaning, I think. Vulture, ancient musical instruments. And if you know the topography of Israel, where is it? Now, when we read the Bible, you know, uh, I think you have a chance to watch the films, uh, biblical films, based on biblical story, like Paul, Moses. You know, all these films, there are problems, actually. They focus too much on certain figure, okay? Moses is the main figure of the, the film. I don't like it, okay? And Paul is the main figure of the story, of the film. But when I read the Bible, I realize the main figure of the Bible is no, it's not Moses, it's not Paul, it's not David, it's always God, okay? It's always Jesus Christ. You have to find out the real focus, okay? The Bible is focusing on God himself, the triune God, the Trinity God. So if you miss the point, you have to, you know, you will overemphasize David. And you begin to worship Paul, you begin to worship Abraham, you know, etc. No, no, no way. There's no hero in the Bible except God, you know. Paul is not a hero, Moses is not a hero. So I'm so happy to read, you know, the mistakes done by these, the biblical heroes, so-called heroes. Moses, he did mistake, right? What kind of mistake he did, he made? No, he was, he was really, uh, 
he was really frustrated when the people of Israel complained so many times. No once God said, "Okay, you can order the the rock to pour out the water," but he didn't do as God said to him. You know, he was so upset. He said, "Can't I give you water?" You know, can't I? That means I can't do. You know, why couldn't I do? You know, who am I? I'm a great one. You know, it seems that Moses he glorified himself, and God was so angry. That's why God said, "You're not going to enter the land of Canaan because you made mistake before me. You didn't show my glory." Okay. When Moses was so mad with the people of Israel, he couldn't show the glory of God. You know. That was a mistake Moses made. I'm so happy to see that. You know why? Moses is such a wonderful man. He's like me. He can make mistakes. You know. I'm so happy to read passages in Acts. Paul, he was, you know, had uh, had arguments with uh, who's that? Barnabas, right? Another great apostle. You know, to take Mark, John, or not for the second mission journey, and they disagreed regarding this guy. And they departed one another. Okay, two different directions. Both of them are wonderful Christians, Christian leaders, but they still, you know, show, they show their weak points to us. I'm so glad to see them. You know? I'm so sorry to say this, but I'm serious. You know, if they are weak, they can do a great job. We can do it at the same time. You know, so there's no hero except God. So be careful. You know, do not overestimate some distinct figures of the Bible. Okay. Uh, there are two main prophecies in the Old Testament. One is prophecy on the Messiah. Another one is prophecy on the chosen people. I say chosen people, not only really Israel, but including the church. Okay, there are very distinct yeah, uh, prophecies. So when you read, especially the Old Testament, you have to try to find out, you know, what's written here about the Messiah. What's written here? What's the type? What kind of type you can find regarding the Messiah? For example. The city of refuge. Do you know the story? I think I preached it here once, right? The city of refuge and the high priest, the death of the high priest. Okay, there's a person who killed by accident. Okay, accidentally killed someone else. What do you do with this man? Okay, do you kill him? No. Okay, just he, he will be sent to the city of refuge, and he has to live there, stay there. He cannot leave the place, but once the high priest. Died, he can go home freely, you know. It's kind of a figure or a kind of type or symbol, you know. The people, the the killer, the murderer inside the city of refuge is like us, you know. We are just bound, you know, by a certain limit because of our sins, you know. Not intentional, by the way. But when Jesus died, we just we can go home freely, you know. That's the meaning, real meaning. So you can try to find out the. Uh, knew the uh, any any lessons about the Messiah and at the same time the chosen people. Okay, the return of Israel, many prophecies and etc. I'm just going quickly. I skip all this. Uh, I have to still point out some weak points in published Bibles. What I mean is the translation. You know, there are some. Uh, Translation errors. Okay, uh, I especially I just you know focus on all these things to help the church. I can I found some mistakes in the Chinese versions. Okay, I know some uh, mistakes in New English Bible also. 
But there are weak points. With all these things, still you can, be, you can become a believer, no problem, okay? You don't have to be such an expert, you know, to know all the problems. No, no, you don't have to, okay? But I know some of them, okay? Actually, I know many of them. But no problem. Even with all these weak points, you can become a Christian by reading the Bible. And you can still listen to the Word of God, okay? And weakness in the interpretation of the Bible. You know, many people make mistakes. Do not believe, you know, someone stands on the pulpit, whatever he speaks out, that's the truth. I don't believe so. Even though I prepare for preaching, whatever I preach here, that's the truth. I don't say that, okay? Perhaps I can make mistakes, you know? If I do, I'm so sorry, you know? Do not believe that every word which comes out from this pulpit is the word of God. I don't think so, okay? We may, we may not, okay? So, watch out. Uh, now, I recommend when you read the Bible, just, you know, the best attitude is just take it as a personal love letter, okay? The Bible, what is this? It's a personal love letter. It's very personal. It's God to you, you know? You have to try to listen what God is talking to me, not to us, not to them, okay? To me. You know, some married people, they just listen to the uh, teachings of the Bible. Okay, my husband should have this message, okay? Not me, okay? It's not for me, it's for my husband. I wish my husband could, you know, heard this message, you know? They just, you know, just, uh, just bring this message, not for themselves, but for someone else, you know? It's too bad. You have to try to listen for you, you know, for yourself, you know, what God is talking about. In this message, to me, not to someone else, okay? And also, it's a love letter. I just, when I say this, I know what I'm talking about. I love this letter, you know? I really love it, you know? I'm crazy. I'm addicted to this book, actually. I love it. And I was in the military service. We had to get up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I got up at 5 o'clock in the morning, every morning, during a certain time. And I just... found a place which has light, during the whole night, that was restroom, okay? With only men's restroom, because all of them males. And the light, you know, is on 24 hours, even during night time. And I just go inside the bathroom, uh, restroom, and I sit down there. From 5 o'clock, I read 1 o'clock, 1 hour, okay? I just took my Greek Bible, I read every day. And I was found one day, I was hit so many times, you know, severe, you know. But I love so much because it's so lovely, you know. I felt it's like love letter to me from God, you know. You can enjoy it. Once you love it, once you know the taste, you can taste it. It's so nice, you know. You have to experience that, okay. There's a personal love letter. So as I said early in the morning, the more you love God, the more the Word of God becomes understandable, okay. If you don't love God, you can't understand it. If you love God, you can't understand it. There's a relationship between you and God. Almost the end. Some very concrete example. I'm just skipping this, all this. And, okay. When you read the Bible, the whole context is very, very important. It's much important than knowing the knowledge of the original languages. I know Hebrew, I know Aramaic, I know Greek, I teach all these languages. I'm very familiar with them. But, I say, if you don't know the whole context, you're not familiar with the whole contents of the Bible, 
you easily make mistakes, even with the knowledge of these original languages, okay? So just make yourself familiar with the Bible. Just read from the uh, first book of Genesis and the last one, Revelation, many, many times, as many times as possible. Any language is okay, okay? Just make yourself familiar with the contents of the Bible. Then it's safe, okay? Context is the most important thing. That's what I said. And the details, you can go. For example, you know, I just gave the, the main topic as I thought, message of the Bible. For example, Genesis, origins of the world, man and Israel, etc. You can just, you know, read as you wish. Just continue. Uh, can you read it? Please? Try it, okay? I believe so. Okay. Today, there are so many addiction problems, okay? Addiction to drug, addiction to alcohol, addiction to games, addiction to gambling, addiction to shopping. Many people just enjoy shopping. They have enough money and enough time to enjoy shopping. Not for need, but just shopping itself, enjoyable. So, They just purchase something. There's addiction to shopping. What kind of addiction do you have? Addiction to beauty, right? It's kind of addiction also, right? What kind of addiction do you have? Do you have drug addiction? Do you have have computer addiction, game addiction? Perhaps you can consider one week fasting from internet, okay, from cell phone, I don't know, whatever. What kind of addiction do you have? Addiction to food? My recommendation is addiction to what? The Bible, the Word of God. That's the best one, okay? Not harmful at all. So I recommend this, okay? You know, we just I try to, you know, help you how to read the Bible and the importance of the reading of the Bible. But you have to know one thing. Eternal life you are seeking for is not not obtained by the knowledge of the Bible, okay? It's not by the knowledge. You know many, many things of the Bible. It has nothing to do with your salvation, your eternal life, okay? But by what? Jesus Christ, whom the Bible witnesses to, okay? The Bible is talking about Jesus Christ. You have to build up your relationship between you and Jesus by reading the Bible. So do not make knowing the Bible or having the Bible knowledge as your purpose. That's not, that's wrong, okay? That's not your final purpose. Okay, read together. John 5, 9, 39. You search the scriptures. When then you think you have eternal life, and these are the which testify of me. This is what Jesus said, okay? This is the end, okay? I have 10 more minutes, right? Do you have any question? Uh, did you understand? I hope you just, you know, got some help. Uh, if from today on, just you love reading the Bible, you know, just give thanks to God, I'm here today. Uh, even today, You don't care reading the Bible. I'm a failure, okay? I'm so sorry to God and to you guys, okay? I hope you can just pick up the Bible, 
just read it every day, you know. I know, you know, in very concrete way, say this way, okay? How many hours, how many minutes do you spend for eating your food? Three meals. How many minutes do you spend? I'm not asking how many hours, okay? Three meals together. Do you need two hours? One hour? Not including preparation, okay? Your mom is part here, part. How many minutes do you spend for eating three meals? Huh? 90 minutes? There's a half an hour for each meal, okay? Right? So 90 minutes a day, right? You have to spend time. You have to sit down you know, to eat, right? Is that right? 80 minutes? How many minutes? Do you finish within 10 minutes? Okay, let's say every meal 10 minutes, okay? Then you have to spend one hour for three meals every day. You just do constantly, okay? Now, my suggestion is just reading the Bible 60 minutes a day at least. Can you do that? If you love God, you will do that, okay? If you don't love God, I don't think you will do that, okay? So I hope you can you love God. With the, because of this love, you are crazy or addicted to this word of God, then you'll be most blessed, you know. That's what I'm sure, okay? The more you are interested in reading the Bible, I know the relationship will be much more closer to Jesus Christ, and you'll be the happiest person in the world, okay? That's what I'm sure. So that's why I asked your church to invite me to share this with you guys, four hours in this heat, okay? Let's pray, okay? Let me bless you with ironic blessing of Numbers 6, 24 to 25, 6. Yevarecha Adonai Panavelecha Viknecha Isa Adonai Panavelecha Yasem Lecha Shalom Amen Amen It is from Numbers 6, 24 to 26. Okay. Any other questions or not? Thank you so much for your patience.